We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. I don't personally know anyone who has uh, the gift of miraculous powers. That isn't to say somebody doesn't exist out there. But let me tell you why this gift is going to be particularly rare. Because this is one of those gifts that if you have the ability, because God gives you the ability to pray over certain situations or to be a vessel where there is miraculous power that happens through your life, it's going to be hard for you not to prostitute it. Now, what I mean by that is, It's going to be very hard to have that gift and to be completely dead to self. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 1 Corinthians. Miracles do happen. Perhaps you've never experienced one firsthand or weren't aware of it. But God still does supernatural works. As Pastor Gary points out in today's message, the ability to facilitate these wonders is listed as a gift of the Spirit. But it's very rare today, so rare that you likely will never know someone who has it. It comes with a great responsibility to only be used for the glory of God. Unfortunately, man is very susceptible to pride And such a powerful gift would be easily used for one's own gain. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as he begins his message, Gifts of the Spirit, part two. Corinthians 12. So we're in a section here about the gifts of the Spirit and their proper use in the church. Again, for those of you who are jumping into our study of 1 Corinthians, the church at Corinth was filled with born-again, Spirit-filled believers, but they were doing many things wrong. And so Paul writes this letter to correct them. This is considered a corrective epistle. Uh, You can Add to the list of all the things that Paul addresses, the fact that they were carnal, not spiritual. He talks about how there were divisions among them, not unity. He says that they tolerated sin instead of confronting it and addressing it. He says in this letter they were suing each other instead of forgiving each other. He says they were misunderstanding marriage instead of honoring it. They were getting drunk on the communion wine instead of recognizing the real purpose of communion. And you can add to the list, they had spiritual gifts, but they were not practicing them properly. 
And so chapters 12, 13, and 14 deal with the gifts of the Spirit and their proper use uh, in the church. Now, depending on how you count spiritual gifts throughout the New Testament, there are roughly 20. Some lists will vary. Some, some commentaries and some scholars count the gifts a little bit differently depending on whether or not it is clearly a gift or maybe just a talent. So give or take, there's 20 gifts of the Spirit. For when you add together the numbers given to us in 1 Corinthians 12 and then also in Romans 12 and also in Ephesians 4, you, there are some that duplicate and the ones that don't duplicate, you're left with 20. So there are 20 spiritual gifts. Now there are 13 gifts that are mentioned here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There are nine gifts mentioned at the beginning of the chapter, and then some of them are repeated at the end of the chapter, but then there's some new ones thrown in at the end of the chapter, which are four new ones. So you have nine at the beginning, four at the end of chapter 12, for a total of 13 gifts of the Spirit. So, at least here in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. So I'm going to read uh, verses 4 through 11, because we started last week looking at the list of the nine gifts at the beginning of the chapter, and I'm giving definitions, and I'm giving examples from Scripture, and I'm uh, throwing in uh, an illustration or two for my own personal life as it relates to these gifts. And so I'm going to read it again, starting here at verse 4 of chapter 12, down through verse 11. Paul writes, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, But the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. As we've been saying in our study through the gifts of the Spirit and the function of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit are not unique to the early church. I know that there's some division and discussion and debate about that, uh, but we are operating from the premise, as we understand Scripture, that the gifts of the Spirit are still in operation today, that they did not cease at the end of the apostolic age, meaning when the last apostle died, these particularly these nine gifts of the Spirit in the first uh, part of chapter 12 ended with the death of the last apostles. We don't, we don't interpret Scripture that way because when you look at uh, 1 Corinthians 13, Paul makes it pretty clear that the gifts of the Spirit are still in operation until that which is perfect has come. And we don't believe that what he's referring to is the completion of the canon of Scripture by the words, that which is perfect has come. In the context of 1 Corinthians 13, we believe he means when that perfected state comes, when we are in the presence of the Lord, either because he sounds a trumpet and we go to be with him, or we die and we know Christ as our Savior and we go to be with him, when we are in the presence of that which is perfect and our lives then at that point are perfected in him, in our glorified state then that which is imperfect passes away, meaning the gifts of the Spirit and and all those things related to it, because you're not going to need the gifts of the Spirit when you are in the presence of the giver. 
All right? And when we are standing in the presence of the Lord, the function and purpose of the gifts cease because there's no longer a need for the body of Christ to build itself up because we are in the presence of the Lord himself. Until that time, these gifts still are functional. Again, there is debate about that. There are some people who would disagree with me on that statement, but that's, that is the, the angle that we are approaching this chapter from based on what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13 which is sandwiched neatly between chapters 12 and 14 that have to do with the gifts of the Spirit in chapter 12 and some of the proper uses and functions of the gifts, particularly tongues and prophecy, he talks about in chapter 14. So that said, it is important, however, that we have a biblical and balanced view of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, rather than what I would consider the extreme views of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, and that the extreme views on each end of the spectrum would be that either the gifts of the Spirit don't exist at all today, that that was just for the apostolic age, and the other extreme is that uh, everybody needs to speak in tongues if you're born again, and in fact, speaking in tongues is evidence that you're saved. Okay, those are the two extreme views. And we, we believe that what the Bible teaches is Somewhere right in the middle of all that. And that's, that's the balance we're looking at here as we dive through these gifts of the Spirit. Now, I want you to notice with me that it, it makes it clear here in this section that everybody has a spiritual gift of some kind or another. Um, that, that it tells us again in verse 4 that there are different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit. Verse 5, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Verse 6, there are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. And that term men is generic. In, in all people who know Christ, there is some aspect of distribution of a gift or gifts, plural, among all of us. And that God distributes, look at verse 11, all of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. Now, by the time we get through chapter 12, we're going to see 13 out of the 20 gifts of the Spirit. This isn't really a study on the gifts of the Spirit because we're going to keep up going through the book of 1 Corinthians. But if you also look at Romans 12 and Ephesians 4, if you don't seem to identify a gift that you have in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, you may very well have a gift from Romans 12 or Ephesians 4. And I'll mention those gifts, but we won't study them. I'll mention them at the end of chapter 12. But so far, we got through four of the gifts of the Spirit mentioned here in the first few verses of chapter 12. We've talked about a mess- the message or word of wisdom, that it is inspired insight or answer to a problem or question. We also talked last week about the message or word of knowledge, that it is inspired information about a matter or a person. And we also talked last week about the gift of faith. It is a special ability to trust and rest in the promises or possibilities of God for a given situation. And we did point out last week that there are three kinds of faith. Saving faith, which all of us have to exercise to trust Christ as our Savior. And then there is trusting faith uh, in certain situations. Uh, But then there is the gift of faith, where this is kind of over and above trusting faith that some people have this ability to believe God and hope for God in the midst of what otherwise would be completely discouraging and unbelievable situations. So some people actually have this as a gift. Then we also talked uh, about the gift of healing, and that's where we ended last week. The gift of healing is the supernatural ability of God working through a person to cure illnesses or restore health apart from natural means. Uh, The person is only a vessel 
The person who has a gift of healing is only a vessel. They are not the ones who heal. God is the one who heals. And we have to be careful that when we talk about gifts, that first of all, we don't use gifts as some kind of a, a, an opportunity to feel superior because somebody has a, a, a particular gift and someone else doesn't. And it's also something we need to keep in mind that the gifts of the Spirit are given by God for the edification of the church and for the glorification of God and, and that none of us should think that it's about us. It is about the Lord simply working through us. We're just the conduit. We're just the vessels. And God can and does work through some people to pray over others who are sick and they are healed. And we spent some significant amount of time, and I, I don't want to re, rehash all of it. If you weren't here last week, you can go back on the teaching library on our website. You can listen to all of that. And, and we talked about how God heals in various ways. Uh, but, you know, sometimes he heals medically, sometimes miraculously, sometimes eternally. He takes people home and they have the ultimate healing. And that isn't to say that God did anything less uh, just because he took somebody home. It's, it's just difficult for us sometimes to understand the... The, the big eternal picture, uh, and, and sometimes we just want stuff always for here and now. And, and so as it relates to healing, I would just simply say this. If you have that particular gift, uh, operate in it humbly. Uh, don't go around telling people, all right? If you really have the gift of healing, you don't have to announce it. Just pray for people and let them get healed, all right? That'll be evidence enough. Uh, we have to just stay humble and contrite about all this, just be used as a vessel. And if you have the opportunity to pray for people, pray for people. Um, and let the Lord do his healing work in their bodies. Uh, we continue to do what James chapter 5 tells us around here. James 5 talks about how the elders of the church should pray over the sick and anoint them with oil. And, and so we do that. In fact, I always keep a little flask of olive oil here so that we pray for the sick as needed because James 5 tells us that if the elders of the church come together and anoint somebody with oil, and oil is just symbolic of the Holy Spirit, there's nothing magical, it's not like a magical potion, it is just a reminder that the Holy Spirit works in powerful ways in the lives and bodies of people, and so we pray for people and we trust God and we leave the results to Him. There's been, unfortunately, a lot of misuse of this gift, uh, and there's been a lot of shame involved with this gift, uh, because uh, Christians have shamed uh, other Christians into saying that if you don't receive a healing that you must not have faith or there must be sin in your life. There's been some shameful things said and done in the course of the practice of this gift. And so I would just encourage you that if you've ever been hurt by someone saying such nonsense that you would just simply forgive them and that if you were one who has spoken such nonsense that you would learn to control your tongue and to just be the vessel and stop going around talking about healing like you have the magic spell, only God is the one who does the uh, eventual work. It is challenging sometimes, even if you look in John chapter 5, how it is that Jesus stepped over a bunch of sick people to go to one person that he healed. And so we have to be mindful that God works in sovereign providential ways. We don't always understand why some are healed and some uh, aren't least not this side of heaven, but we trust a sovereign God who works in sovereign ways, and we don't stop praying just because the results aren't always the way that we would prefer them. Amen? Okay, so enough about that. Let's move on now to miraculous powers, because that's also in the list here. It is mentioned in verse 10, where he says, to another uh, miraculous powers. If you have a, King J a New King James or ESV, it says, the working of miracles. Now, someone who might have the gift of miracles, as we see in Scripture, would be someone who perhaps casts out demons. Uh, we see in the New Testament, as well as the Old, um, some who 
uh, had the ability uh, to be a vessel that God used to raise the dead. Anything that is accomplished uh, outside of human methods or means that cannot be attributed to natural or human methods or means would be potentially something of a miraculous power. We have to be wise. There are different kinds of power uh, in our world today. Some are not to be attributed to God. There is demonic and evil power. We have to be wise and discerning to know the difference. Nevertheless, God lists this as one of the gifts of the Spirit. Now, the question becomes, you know, does this gift exist today? And again, I would say that all of the gifts exist because you can't make the argument that they ended at the end of the apostolic age. That said, I don't personally know anyone who has uh, the gift of miraculous powers. That isn't to say somebody doesn't exist out there. But let me tell you why this gift is going to be particularly rare. Because this is one of those gifts that if you have the ability, because God gives you the ability to pray over certain situations or to be a vessel where there is miraculous power that happens through your life, it's going to be hard for you not to prostitute it. Now, what I mean by that is it's going to be very hard to have that gift and to be completely dead to self because there's just enough of our own flesh that it's going to be hard to operate with this gift and not use it for personal selfish purposes and not to, you know, want attention drawn to yourself. So, you know, I think that this is going to be, while, while I'm not going to dismiss any of these gifts as, as having ended, um, I think this is going to be one of the most rare gifts uh, on the planet uh, because of the danger of using this for one's personal benefit. Remember, this was actually something that Satan used in the temptation of Christ. Because here Jesus is, fully God but fully man, able to perform miraculous powers. And what was it that Satan was always testing him with? Why don't you perform your miraculous powers? Why don't, why don't you turn this bread, uh, this stone into bread? Why don't just use your miraculous powers? And there's this potential, and Jesus always resisted, you know, he, he, didn't, he didn't go the way of Satan, obviously, and he resisted the temptation. But that there's this challenge, you see, where Satan, in that example, was trying to use the miraculous powers that Jesus had to, to use them for selfish purposes. Uh, and, and the other danger to this is uh, that, that we might be tempted to take glory for ourselves. Uh, there is the example in Scripture where Peter wisely understood this. And in Acts chapter 3, we see the first miracle of the early church when Peter goes into the temple court area. And remember this story in Acts 3, and there's this man crippled there. And so, and he's begging and this is when Peter says, silver or gold have I not, but such as I have give I unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, pick up your mat and walk. And the man miraculously walked. And then it tells us in Acts 3 that then this huge crowd of people started to come around Peter. Because, you know, you start doing that kind of thing, you're going to attract a crowd. All right? You're either, you're either going to have riot or revival. One or the other is going to happen. But, but miraculous power starts working. Nobody's going to be silent. And, and this crowd started to circulate around Peter. And it tells us in Acts 3.12 that when Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? And it was a mild rebuke. What Peter was saying was, don't look at us. We're just the vessels here. This man did not walk because of our power or our godliness. This is not about us. But you see, he wisely understood that. And I'm not so, so sure that there's 
many of us wise enough to properly be good stewards of miraculous power because the tendency might be for us to get a little puffed up over this. And people coming to us and like, do this and do that. Why, yes, I have the miraculous. Why, yes, I probably, yes. And so because of that, I think it's probably a rare gift. Although again, I don't want to dismiss any of these gifts. Then we move on after miraculous powers. We also see the gift of prophecy mentioned here. In verse 10, to another prophecy. Prophecy is basically to declare or speak something under divine inspiration for the strengthening, encouragement, and comfort of people. And I put in parentheses there, it may be foretelling or forthtelling. Now, I'll distinguish the two in a minute, but first I want you to glance over to chapter 14. Would you turn in your Bibles there to 1 Corinthians chapter 14? And I want you to look at the first five verses with me where Paul writes here about the gift of prophecy and its uh, significance in the body of Christ and particularly its edifying aspect. Uh, Here in chapter 14, verse 1, he says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Please note that. Do you know what is commonly touted as the gift that should be most uh, sought after in, in the church today? It's tongues. That's what, you're hear- that's what you will hear people say the most. You should have the gift of tongues. Speak the gift of tongues. You know, and that's evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, excuse me. Paul says that the most important gift as far as its function in the body of Christ is the gift of prophecy. He says in verse 2, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. We'll come back to that. Indeed, no one understands him if he speaks in tongues. He utters mysteries with with his spirit. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Underline those three words in your Bible. Strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. That's how you can tell if it's really the gift of prophecy. It's not doom and gloom. It's for your strengthening, encouragement, and comfort... And verse 4 says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I would would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may be edified. Now, he doesn't mean greater in terms of you're more significant as a person. He just means greater in terms of its function and purpose within the church that there's a greater function and purpose for the gift of prophecy than there is the gift of tongues, comparing those two gifts in particular here in the first few verses of chapter 14. Now, prophecy does not have to be future tense. That's how we most think of prophecy. You think of the Old Testament prophets. And by the way, you have both men and women Old Testament prophets. You have uh, some women. Deborah was a prophetess. You have Huldah in the Old Testament who was a prophetess. Then obviously you have prophets, and many times books of the Bible were named after them. Isaiah is a prophet. Jeremiah is a prophet. Ezekiel is a prophet. Daniel is a prophet. You have prophets in the Old Testament. A lot of times, because the Old Testament was always pointing towards and foreshadowing the New Testament, the New Covenant of Christ, you have a lot of times Old Testament prophets are foretelling. They're talking about future events. They're they're saying things that come into the future. Daniel prophesies things into the future, some of which has not even happened yet, yet to be fulfilled related to the return of Christ. But prophecy is not only foretelling. Prophecy can also be forthtelling because prophecy basically is to declare or speak something under divine inspiration. And sometimes 
God gives a prophetic word that is relevant to the here and now, not some distant future. We hope today's message from the book of 1 Corinthians has blessed you and drawn you closer to Jesus. Pastor Gary has more to share, but this is where we need to end for today. Feel free to read ahead before you join us next time on Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to listen to this message again or explore other teachings from Pastor Gary Hamrick, just visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. You can even download our mobile app to stay connected to the truth of God's Word everywhere you go. If you're in the Leesburg area, you're invited to join us for our weekly gatherings at Cornerstone Chapel. Come by on Sunday or Wednesday to spend time in worship, Bible study, and fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You'll be able to find service times and directions on our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc or give us a call. We can be reached at 703-771-1500. And when you call, please let us know how we can be praying for you. That number again is 703-771-1500. Would you pray for us too? Please pray that we keep our eyes always on the truth of who God is and that we move forward only by His power. Thanks for praying and thanks for tuning in today to Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know